This is Amelia Switlow. I'm in a little reunion, mini reunion at our 50th anniversary of a group from Uganda. And um, this man named Roy Fisher shows me a list of all these volunteers that were in Uganda. Hi, Roy. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Hey, so Roy, what were you doing in Canada before you went and was hired by CUSO? I was a graduate student at McGill University. Yeah. Um, studying, doing a master's degree in anthropology. Ah. Which I must confess, I wrote a thesis on that never got completely finished. So. Uh, and what? And uh, so, what made you apply to CUSO? You went. You went as a staffer, right? I was a staff member and uh, field staff officer in Uganda, but I had been a volunteer in Nigeria. Oh. Uh, 1962 to 64. Those were, you were like the early crew, the, the second crew that went out. Uh, yes, the first group went out under COV. And then, uh, the, the first I've seen your name in the book. Okay, so Roy Fisher, Nigeria, 1962. What were you doing there, Roy? I was teaching high school. Yeah. Uh, in a, a school up about 100 miles north of Lagos. Uh, it was a community-run school, so it wasn't particularly well-equipped, but um, it was very well-run. We had quite a dedicated staff, though, and a very good principal. So you, so you stay there for two years, yes. come back to Canada, and then what happens? I, uh, I worked at the International Student Centre for a couple of years at the University of Toronto. Um, and that was a very exciting place to be, and meeting students from all over the world and wow. running programs there for them and working with the, them as they developed the programs themselves. Uh, I had always dreamed of going back overseas again. Uh, having had a chemistry background, I thought to be field staff, I should have some broader background. Uh, oh, and, so uh, you're preparing yourself for that. <laughs> so that's why I went to McGill. McGill had a program, uh, uh, a Center for Developing Area Studies. Oh. And um, that attracted me, but I ended up in the Department of Anthropology. You had to be attached to a department. Yes. Well, that uh, studying anthropology is great for going overseas. So, did you did you then apply for this job as field staff officer? Mm -hmm. And who was your person you reported to immediately? Oh, uh, Lawrence Cumming. No, that's it. Okay, yeah. I, I've heard of him too. So you so you end up on assignment in Uganda years again that you were there. I arrived in July of uh, 1970. Oh my goodness! Okay. And uh, the program. There had been plans to close the Uganda program um, and, and continue the Kenya program, but the decision had been reversed, I think, in 1969. So the Uganda program wasn't very large. Um, there were very, I don't think there were any placements in 69, uh, but given the program was being ramped up again, Stuart Goodings, who had been based in Nairobi, had uh, made the placements for the group that arrived in July of 70. Okay. So, so then you go there and you have to set up office. Uh, what was the name of your assistant? Dilly Verani. Hey, Dilly, I'm going to make you listen to this podcast because <laughs> here's your old boss. <laughs> Dilly's in Vancouver and worked with Q. So, so you, so you work for this period. Do you live in Kampala? I lived in Kampala. Yes, I, there wasn't a house available when I arrived, so I stayed in the Silver Springs Hotel. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you might remember. Yes. Uh, Till September, after the volunteers were settled, then I found a house. Okay, and which part of Kampala were you living in? It was on the way to uh, Port Bell Road, um, 
in Mbuya, Mbuya Hill. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what does a field staff, staff officer do? A lot of their work involves liaising with the various ministries and other agencies within the country to find out what uh, their needs were um, for potential QSO volunteer placements. Um, so that, I was a bit naive when I arrived, I must confess. <laughs> I, uh, I assumed that we were so well known that requests would be coming in. Uh, I soon discovered that actually I had to go to make the rounds myself and, uh, and there are a lot of receptions going on as you might expect in, among the volunteer directors from various programs and the diplomatic corps, etc. And I, I uh, worked very hard at those, trying to get around with handing out my uh, business card as to as many people as possible. <laughs> uh, so we actually ended up uh, having quite a diversified program in Uganda. Well, I was just um, um, going to get that list. I'm just going to, is that list out there? Yes. I'm going to read some names because the program speaks so much. We'll be right back. I'm going to read from the list, and you can tell me something a little bit about. So we had Dr. Adelman, and he was in Lira. Do you remember him? I do very well. In fact, the, his mailing address was Lira, but uh, in fact he was in quite a remote hospital, um, the only doctor, I believe, at that hospital. Wow. Um, then we had Brenda Armstrong, who was a teacher at Boroboro Senior Secondary School. Her husband must have been John Armstrong. John. John was a, an engineer, and, and Brenda was a teacher. So in fact, it, that, just with those three names, you can see there's quite a diversity already. Yes. In many programs, uh, I'd been, I went from Uganda back to Nigeria as field staff, and there the majority of the placements were within education, teaching. But in Nigeria, I think we had just about, maybe 50% were teachers, the others were engineers, doctors, dentists. Wow. I'm going to go through this list yeah. really quickly. George Bell, teacher, Aga Khan at secondary school. Wayne Bennett, civil engineer. Vincent de... De Gregorio. De Gregorio, McCary College School. That's a good place. Herman Falk, St. Mary's College, Kisubi. Wow, these guys were all over the place. Joan Hadaway, dental orderly, Ginger Hospital. William Hadaway, dentist, so husband-wife, eh? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, and who's this? Audrey Hath oh, Hathaway. Hathaway. Uh, medical microbiology lecturer at McCary. Uh, Dr. Bernard Hersink, Susan, his wife, eh? Mm -hmm. yes. uh, at uh, St. Maria Giorgetti Secondary School. I'm going to do this because I know that we'll never get a chance to see this again. Percy Hubbard, Kayembe Girls School, and uh, Winfred, t wife again. Okay, yes. Uh, same as above. And uh, Barbara Callas, Murray Kennedy. Jeanette. Jeanette Lang. Lang. Husband Michael Lang. Therese Lemaire. Aga Khan Secondary School. I know this lady. Okay. Joan Loy. Kireka Industrial Vocational Habit Rehabilitational Center. What did they do there? Well, it was a training center for many people who had disabilities. Okay. Uh, and uh, you can see she was the, called the vocational guidance officer. So 
Her position involved interviewing people who were coming into the center, mm -hmm. and uh, she was, would make assessments on which workshops they might best be suited for. Okay. Linda, Dr. Linda Lucas at Kabale Hospital. That's a small hospital, eh? This one, Kabale. Yeah. Do you got quite a few doctors. Yes, we you did. recruited. Yep. That's amazing. Today we're finding it very hard to get those. Dr. Stephen Lucas, uh, Margaret McCutcheon. McCutcheon. And this is the person I think I've been looking for. Uh, oh, no, not this one. No. Not that one. No. Okay. Zabizic uh, Meisner. All right. And St. Peter's College, Toronto. Patricia Mitten. Colette Prunier. 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 And Gerard, husband. Oh, so you had quite a few couples, huh? Yeah. Robert Sarr. Sarr. A dentist. Yeah. Dentist from Soroti Hospital. Agricultural mechanic. That's another one. Unusual, eh? Yes. Uganda had a program of uh, what was called tractor hire stations. Uh, small farmers couldn't afford the, to run for tractors, but they oh. could rent them. Oh. And Ken was ran the uh, the one in Kasesi. Um, oh. So he had he had the management of the center and was had mechanical experience himself. And so that's Ken Schumacher, Sharon Schumacher, and Ellen Shapiro, and Cheryl Simmons, doctor again. Okay. Um, Marilyn, most of them teachers, huh? Skabovius. Skabovius. Um, Brenda Stewart, Gary Stewart, Edgar Tingley, Richard Mr. Ward. Another mechanic, he was... Uh, oh, there's a bush <coughs> clearing workshop. Yes, they, he was a heavy-duty equipment mechanic uh, for Caterpillar tractors and big road clearing and other large-scale equipment, mechanical ah. equipment. Richard Ward... Michael Welsh. Both Jack. dentists again. Yeah. yeah, wow. Jack Wessel, Jane Whitney, Edwin Williams. Wynn Williams. He just went by Wynn Williams, another dentist. Wynn yeah. dentist, and here we go finally. Yeah. Leslie Wynn. Okay. I think we had about half the dentists in Uganda at one time. Did you? Volunteers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it says here, uh, Roy H. Fisher, CUSO Director, PO Box 4516 Kampala, and Dili Virani, his secretary. After you finished that service in Uganda, I mean, first of all, why did you close the office? Well, the Idi Amin uh, came in as, in 1971, January 25th, um, through a result of a coup. He was the head of the army, and Milton Obodi, the president was at Commonwealth Conference in Singapore at the time. Right. Uh, it was clear before that that there was some tension and rivalry going on and uh, there were signs that that, uh, there was, that they were on the outs. Mm -hmm. um, after the uh, takeover by, Mil by Idi Amin, um, there was some question about what how things would be run in the country. It was <clears throat> There were certainly some uh, reprisals um, within the military initially and um, but the program we seemed it seemed we could continue to work effectively um, notwithstanding the military government that was in place hmm. um, so the <clears throat> the program continued we brought in another group of volunteers in uh, July of in August of 1970 
one. Yes. Um, a number of the people whose names were on that list were from the 1971 program. Yes. Um, there were incidents going on, and one never quite knew um, how things were going to shake down. There were certainly some unpleasant things that were very unpleasant. Um, but it still seemed that the program could, could serve the people of Uganda. Yeah, that and so we continue to make more pl placements, uh, work on more placements for the 72 intake. Um, <clears throat> just um, prior to the arrival of the 72 group, the um, announcement came out that all Asians were to be expelled from Uganda. That's like um, my family and all my friends and everybody I knew. <laughs> but, um, and I thought with that, that was clearly a sign that we stopped the program entirely. There was some pullback from that. Um, I think pressure was put to bear on a mean by some of the um, other African leaders that you, expelling citizens was not <coughs> would not have been uh, acceptable in their eyes either. So he, they, the change was made that non-citizens yes. uh, were, were given notice, but citizens were to be allowed. Yes. Um, there was still some doubt, was that the right thing to do or to, to stay and run the program within the country under those circumstances or not? We decided that, um, given that the arrangements had been made, that we would continue to... Uh, <laughs> you brave <bring> people! <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, I decided <clears throat> we, um, we didn't have the group land in, uh, in Tebi but continued on to Dar es Salaam. I flew down to Dar and interviewed everybody. Um, we had already <laughs> planned, this is a long story, and I'm, <laughs> I've yeah. never told it. Um, we, we, I had contacted all the other East and Central Africa directors in some of the West Africa to find out whether my alternative placements might be available for a number of these people who, uh, who were plant thinking they were coming to Uganda. And um, prior, by the time I got to Dar, I think a few of the people had, had actually had placements available, definite placements, and so it seemed wise, given the circumstances in Uganda, for them to take up these other offers. Okay. Um, a few we, had to, we weren't able to place right away. They stayed on for a little while in Dar, but there were a couple of fellows and a couple of the women who um, were willing to come in to try and see whether they could work within Uganda, whether the situation might uh, wow. um, be such that they could be effective. So we did, they came back to, in with me to um, Uganda. Um, but shortly after that, <coughs> um, we decided to have a meeting to discuss the situation with all the volunteers. Uh, I call, I sent out telegrams and to everybody and said, come to Kampala for a meeting, bring your passports. Just in case. <laughs> uh, just in case <laughs> something happened. Uh, uh, and um, I coached it that they had to bring their, you know, their inoculation books, so they'd be giving inoculations just in case anybody was reading these telegrams wondering what oh, was going on. Okay. Um, so while we were, Dave Beer had arrived as well. He was the regional field director at that point. The famous Dave Beer, famous Dave who Beer. stayed in the field for years. <laughs> so we, we were having a meeting 
in my living room uh, of my house that Sunday morning when, uh, and we broke to discuss the question, the, the morality of the ethical issues of continuing to run a program uh, in, in Uganda. Um, we broke for lunch, um, went downtown, people went around to various restaurants downtown for a break. On the way back with Dave, I was bringing Dave Beer back, who was wanted to catch a quick 40 winks because he'd just flown in overnight. And I noticed there seemed to be some military activity, which was a bit unusual Sunday morning. We got back to the house, turned on the BBC News, and they confirmed unusual troop activities reported in Kampala this morning. So uh, uh, I, th I think that there was also a report at that time that there was an invasion taking place from you, from Tanzania. Oh, okay, you were there at that time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So the the whole question of whether we should stay on or not became <laughs> clear. <laughs> was settled. Um, I quickly went, drove back downtown, and uh, found all the volunteers and. We uh, made sure everybody got back, get accommodation to stay overnight, and uh, uh, but, but clearly the decision was made at that point that we had, to, we had to close the program. And did you leave uh, Africa and never go back, or did you go back? Um, well, I, I didn't. I left, but at the end of November, we fit, that was at the end of September, and it yeah. took. The unique thing about the situation for the Ugandan volunteers was they were actually officially civil servants of Ugandan government. That's right. And it wasn't possible to get exit permits just to immediately leave. So we phased out the program. People made their own arrangements, and eventually everybody, pretty well everybody left. A few stayed on. I um, was able to find, a, was posted to Nigeria. Okay. Uh, with Kusa was a field staff officer there, and arrived and went home for a short period of time. It was back in January. Okay, and, and stayed in Nigeria for two years. Two more years. Two more years. Yeah. And then came back to work in Canada. Yes. And did you? How did you end your career? Did, were you in in international development or other things? No, I um, I ended up working for the University of Toronto um, for most of my career Correct. after that as oh. a registrar at the graduate school for the majority of that period of time. Well, I want to say on on behalf of QSO VSO, thank you for your work with our organization for volunteering with us and uh for for having this uh, interview and talking to me about uganda i have never heard this perspective so uh, it's well, wonderful I've, I've, I've skimmed over a lot of them yeah we'll get more another <laughs> <Okay>. day <laughs> thank you